You remember. Roll your stealth roll. Game books, pencils, pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the dragon woke up. Roll for initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be. Back for another episode of the Rover Initiative podcast. I'm Vince, sitting with Matt. Hello, everyone. And Nick. Howdy, folks. We're in uh, Volume Five, Issue One Seventy. One Seventy. We should have some echo on that, Matt. Seventy, 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 seventy. No, no, I meant re- real echo, real echo. Oh, okay. oh, real reverb. Yeah, a little reverb on that one. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we're back. Uh, we have. I'm going to jump right into some news for you, folks. Um, I'm going to hand it right over to you, Nick, since you found this news out and you're all excited about it. It's not Star Wars, but it is news. It is news for anybody who's, you know, any geeks like us who've been around for a long time. Huge news this past week on Twitter, probably on Twitter and Facebook where I found it. Joel Hodgson of Mystery Science Theater 3000 fame is bringing back the show. Yes, that's Yay. right. He's got a Kickstarter campaign. Started up on Wednesday, and he's going to bring back bring back Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Three episodes Com- so far. Uh, right now, they've funded three episodes. There's different levels. They got twenty seven more days to go, I think. And here's the thing: I found out about it, and I'm a contributor. I contributed my my hard earned cash, or in this case, my hard earned credit card, to yeah. the cause. So, yeah, anybody who's familiar with Kickstarter's different levels, mm-hmm. you get certain little, little, you get swag at cert, at every different level, and it's cumulative. So if you get like at a hundred dollar donation, you get everything up to the hundred dollar donation as far as swag. Right. So pretty darn cool in that respect. So we know where Nick donated that. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. I'm, I'm not saying uh, I contributed that much or but right. just saying as an example but yeah so check you, it so out on facebook what are you getting nick <laughs> what am i getting out of this yes. i'm going to get a coffee mug a t-shirt a keychain and a and a thank you on the credits um wow yeah it's pretty cool i have so, the right. uh, original coffee mugs that they had way back in the day when the show was on comedy no comedy channel Yes, and then it turned into Comedy Central, but yeah. It has the one when, uh, with Joel uh, holding on to Gypsy with the rest of the robots fighting, and then there's the uh, second edition of the mug with Mike doing the same thing, so if you put them side by side, it looks like they're all tugging on Gypsy. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I also had, from the, when I was part of the MST3K uh, fan club, Yes, I had uh, a mouse pad. I had that, uh-huh. I lost it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bummed. So maybe little, I'll get another one the someday. The little sticker bar that went across the bottom of your screen, the silhouette. Yeah, it, that's what, how my mouse pad was. Yeah, I had that for my TV, too. I always had it yeah. on my TV. People were like, what the hell is that crap on your TV, dude? <laughs> like, you don't know. Here. <laughs> but go to their uh, uh, Facebook page. They have... Uh, 
everything laid out how the uh, Kickstarter is going. And what's really amazing, and Joel was totally blown away by this, in 24 hours, they reached their first, they reached over $1 million in 24 hours, folks. It's just been a few days, and they're knocking on the door of $2 million right now. So I think with $2.2 million, you get three episodes, and it goes in increments up to $5.5 million. You get a full season of 12 episodes. Well, yeah, so. they're, they're basically is what they're doing. They're raising the money to pay for the crappy sci-fi movies they want to riff on. Right. And then pay the actors and the set. So basically, the most of the money is probably going to buy the movie rights is what it mostly is. Yeah, it, it depends, I guess, what the movies they get. If there's stuff, there might be stuff in public domain he could find. Who knows? And But uh, it sounds like the majority of it, yeah, it's going to go into the production, you know. So. No doubt. Very, very, very excited about this. It's going to be very cool. He's been very open about this. He's he's going to open up to all the other people who are on the show, the writers, the actors, whoever. When they get to a certain milestone, he's like, okay, guys, let's all have fun with this. So very exciting. Interesting to see what he does and how how it works again. I mean, because Mm -hmm. last we know. The, they, the whole show, Joel was, you know, he escaped from the ship and yep. Mike Nelson was now the person trapped on the ship. So I wonder if they're going to just do a whole thing like retcon and say that that whole experience with Mike never happened. And That's a good question. You know yeah. what? I'm going to go on their Facebook page and maybe pose that question on their or their Kickstarter sites. Like, how's the new show? It's going to be like retconned somehow. <clears throat> Is this like a total new reboot? Or, you know, how's it all going to work? Or is it going to be the continuation? I got the impression from him it was supposed to be kind of like a continuation. There's going to be new people put up in the space over time. Oh. It's it'll It was supposed to evolve like that. So he might be going the right route, but who knows? All as I know is it's it's he's doing his dandest to come back. The fan base has just hit this with, like, guns a-blazing yeah. and uh, very, very <clears throat> excited about it. Yes, so we might hear somewhere in a show Haikiba once again. Yay! Yay! Anyway, okay, so uh, that news out of the way. Uh, on to boring news. <laughs> no. On to boring stuff. Yeah, boring news stuff. Now I'm going to be running another actual play podcast with my group together. We already met for our first character session, and that should be up and being posted as soon as we can uh, get together. Into our first session, which is actually going to be the twenty, the uh, first Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. So, oh, yeah, everybody's like, "Yeah, we're not doing nothing. We'll, we want to play." So, we're like, okay, <laughs> wow, cool, yeah. So, we're, we're using actually basic uh, uh, edition Menser, basic edition D and D. We're all going to keep oh, it simple, nice. Uh, not first edition. Uh, everyone decided basic was probably easier to play right now. Okay. And uh, we're going to roll from there. We have a couple websites on the way. Uh, one's going to be the Obsidian Portal. Another one's just going to be a, a spot to keep the show for the postings. So as that moves along, we'll let you know. Very nice. Very, very nice, yes. And we're coming upon Thanksgiving real soon, so you know, take a moment to say thanks to everybody out there and blah, 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 blah. Happy Thanksgiving. Eat enough turkey to have enough tryptophan in your body. Knock you on your celery took us. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, cool. Let's uh, head into our first segment. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world. I like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. All right, everybody. In table manners today, we're going to be talking about something I think, well, if you're familiar with the history of role-playing games and the history of D&D, this has a very interesting connection to that whole this uh, history and it's Grimtooth's traps. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go over the the first Grimtooth tra- traps book and give our thoughts, opinions, what we liked about, it, maybe even some dislikes. But doing a little research on Grimtooth, and from my um, memory, mm-hmm. going in the wayback machine here, Grimtooth when it hit the the shelves from Flying Buffalo Games who, you know, they were out of Scottsdale, Arizona. They were this little weird game company out of Arizona who made this kind of a, I don't know if you want to call it a knockoff, but it was a derivative of D&D, which was Tunnels and Trolls. And they really, uh, that was their flagship uh, game. But then you had Grimtooth's Traps that came out in 1981, the first book. And I remember when this came out, I remember sitting on the, the shelf of the game store where, where I used to go to in Omaha called Star Realm and flipping through this. I'm like, wow, this is pretty devious stuff. This is really, really cool. I had a copy of it a long time ago. I lost it. And I, I, a uh-huh. few years back, I found a new copy huh. of the first Grimtooth Traps book. And I think the Matt and Vince can attest to this. It's kind of a notorious series of books. It always had this mm-hmm. air of like, oh no, the DM's got that. He's got the book from he's got the Grimtooth Traps book. We're doomed. <laughs> yeah, Grimtooth Traps will leave you begging for the Tomb of Horrors. Yeah, it kind of and it kind of ran on the you know was coming on the heels of Tomb of Horrors and maybe White Plume Mountain. Um, some of the other dungeons that came out in the late 70s and early 80s from TSR and maybe, you know, from some other publishers out there. It was just a, a really cool source book on on some pretty – uh, running a gamut of very elaborate to rather simple traps of various types. Yeah. You, you, you know, rooms and corridors. Use yeah. Book. Yeah. Wow. Some of the traps in this book are just utterly ridiculous. Yes, yes. <laughs> and pointless, and it's just like, okay, I guess you really just want to kill somebody. Here, use this. But, hey, some of them are just actually really good thought-out traps. But yeah. I think the more cruel and stupid traps outweigh the really intelligent traps in this book. Sorry. To say. Oh, yeah, there's some they they are kind yeah. of tongue-in-cheek, for yeah. sure. This is the Acme catalog of dungeon traps. <laughs> yes. This is this is Wiley Coyote's super genius mailed away for this book to catch a roadrunner. That is, is what this book is. And this it's, is only volume one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is only the first out of many volumes, at which point I think Goodman Games, you said earlier, Nick, has a collection of all of them. Yes. Um, that's a very good point. Goodman Games last year did a Kickstarter to make a compilation of all the 
Rentooth's Traps books that were published. And they, if you could go to GoodmanGames.com, go to the link for it. They do have them all there, because right now you could get, you could get uh, the first, the second, and third books like a drive-through RPG as a PDF. Um, you could find on eBay all the other ones at outrageous prices, but they, you could probably get for like fifty bucks all five books in one nice. Um, softbound book. I think maybe even less than that. I think the hardbound was like 50. So, in fact, I could look right here. There's a soft soft cover version mm -hmm. that is 35. The hardcover version at Dungeon Crawl Classics uh, uh, or at Goodman Games is 50. There's a special f gold foil hardcover for 80. And that one, you also get Traps, Bazaar, and Dungeon of Doom by Grimtooth, and then there's the super uber over-the-top one, which is leather-bound in 370 bucks. So, but there's, if you just want to get, like, the first book, yeah, you can get a drive-through RPG for 495 So there's multiple ways of getting it. But, mm -hmm. like we were saying, this, this, <laughs> the, there's some that are kind of tongue-in-cheek, the traps. You just got to take them for what they're worth. They're kind of, like, some of them are kind of over-the-top, and, and way too killer, but some are rather, they're pretty ingenious. So, and that's why it was so neat when it came out, and it, <laughs> just more ammunition for your DM, DM to use against you. But um, I think one of the things I like about the book overall mm -hmm. is it's system neutral. Yeah, you could use it for anything. There's real no no real stats in here. It just basically says use this, use this, and however use this. Yeah, that's. I think that's the number one thing about it. And if I could be wrong on this, but I'm willing to bet that this book is one of the first books ever that they were that said system neutral on it. You know, before it got really popular right. later on, I I'm I'm willing to bet that the first Grimtooth Traps book was the one that introduced the concept of system neutral game books, you know? And I like that because that makes, that means that even this, the, this book and the, and the rest in the series, they're relevant today. You know, there's no tweaking out of any stats and, and other things like that. You could you can use it with other game system. You could use it first edition, AD and D regular D and D tunnels and trolls, uh, third edition, fifth edition, whatever, you can use it with that, and that's I think that's the the beauty of the whole Grim Two Trap series. So that's my number one thing I like about it. So, what about you, Vince? What's one of the things that you like about the book, and I guess the series as a whole? Well, I'm just going to reference this one right here, and uh, I do like how they separate the traps into different categories and rooms, mm -hmm. corridors, blah, blah. So if you – any particular situation you're looking for, you have a trap for that particular – and even if it doesn't fit your game, you can still modify it and shoehorn it into whatever you want it to be. Sure. Oh, absolutely. You could take a trap and like uh, – I don't know. I'll just pick something – uh, randomly here, there's a trap called the one that got away, and I actually 
bookmark this one in the books because it's one of my more favorite ones. It's a yes, trap where I have that one too. I love that one. Yeah, you, you like that one too. <laughs> yeah, it's on page eight of the. Uh, well, let's just do page I know eight or nine. Matt yeah. and I have the uh, updated one, and I think Nick, you're looking at the original, correct? Yeah, I got the uh, I got the one that was published in 1981. So, and Matt, we have the one that was recently published, right? Yeah, yeah, this is one from the one we have is the remastered PDF from a couple of years ago. Right, that's okay. the drive through RPG one. Yes. Okay. okay. Well, go ahead, Nick. Since you brought that trap up on, well, page yeah, nine. I was like, I'm looking at the um, like far as favorite traps, and I love this one called the one that got away, and it's basically, and not just a room trap. It's more like. You can you could probably put it in a room, but it fits better like if it was in a natural cavern with some water, like a lake or a river. And it looks like there's like a dock, and on this dock there's a chair and there's a fishing pole, and it, the 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 reel with everything. And it looks like the line's already been cast out. And it's in the water. Well, <laughs> who wouldn't be tempted to you know take that reel and see what you can you can catch, right? Yeah. So uh, our our <laughs> Our adventurer, if he sits on the chair and has a hold of the reel, the chair is actually has a, there's a giant spring mechanism below it, catapults the player character up into the air. Now, if he lets go, well, if he lets go of the rod and reel, well, he's probably going to hit a, a stalactite on the ceiling or at least hit some part of the ceiling, take damage. If he holds on to it, he's going to be flipped over into the water, which, by the way, is full of, uh, like, man-eating fish of some type. And there is just below the surface of the water is a uh, hidden reef. So he's going to take damage from hitting that. (laughs) So, But you can modify that, though. You can maybe have it to where, I don't know, maybe um, uh, not... Maybe there isn't a hidden reef. Maybe it just didn't quite fit in. Maybe there's just below the water is um, it's like shallow in that part where he hits. But the, the water is so, you know, brackish and dirty, you can't see down to the bottom. Maybe you have something like that. Or instead of like fish, maybe you can use like, I don't know, an alligator that's in there. Or, you know, giant crayfish, something like that. So, you know, you get a basic concept of a of a of a trap here and you could use it the way it as it is or you can modify it to whatever your dungeon is like and i i like that idea that you know you don't have to stick with what's in the book any good dm will take uh something and modify it to their home campaign and that's one of the things i like about this book too well, this one, here, and then you just plug in your stats for damage. Yeah. Well, this one here, uh, actually, you have to do. You have to actually start to reel in for it to work because that's what. Well, that's right. I spring. forgot that. Right. But I was thinking on this one, what are you going to use now? If this is your campaign, Nick, you're the DM. I'm sitting. My character sitting in this chair. Well, not me personally, because I'd be kind of weird. But okay. And my character's in the chair, and I'm like, okay, I start reeling it in. Now, how are you going to determine me as a character holding on to that pole? Because I can't be like, yeah, I hold on to the pole. Well, really? I mean, is that going to be your first natural reaction? What are you going to have me roll? Um, is it going to be a save? Is it going to be like a 4d6, 3d6 thing? Or Well, I guess if you if you was sitting down and you hold on to the pole and you say, oh, I'm going to reel in the line. Well, I would say, well, you feel, uh, you feel a tug on the line, like it's getting taut 
oh, I caught something. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. As far as the, the mechanic I would use. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. What mechanic is. I would probably do kind of like a reflex right. and do like a 4D6 and say, you know, get under this number to see if you mm-hmm. actually hold on to it as you're being flung into the air. Right. I would do like a strength check. If we're talking okay. first edition AD&D, I would yeah. do a strength check of like 4D6. And if you make it below your uh, your strength, then you're, you hold on. If you don't, you get catapulted into the ceiling and take damage. Right. <laughs> and that's I'm- where the player is going to get this false sense of security. It's like, okay, I held on to the line. Yay. I'm just going to get flung into the water. And what would you well, do that? <laughs> now- I, I'm, almost, I'm almost trying to think of a way to do it in which the players make the choice whether they pick the ceiling or the water. Yeah, Basically you pick might their poison. There you go. But <clears throat> So I would almost – you could be like, oh, no, you feel the chair going up, and it looks like you're on a trajectory for the ceiling. Okay, and, what do you, say, and then you say, what do you do? Do you hold on or do you let go? Right. And then you, then that, then you would make the determination, okay, make a strength check or something like right. that. Right. Then it was like, okay, you try to hold on, and you realize that this pole could help you not hit the ceiling, and then you get fall into like a giant whale mouth or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. It's just waiting yeah. there. Uh. Right. And, then, and then you get to run into Pinocchio and the rest of the uh, crew from uh, Pinocchio. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So that we, Nick and I just, what, Matt, what's one of your favorites out of here? What page? Oh, one of, so, some of my favorites. Well, one, I enjoyed the stair snare on page 29, 29. because, okay. Players always look for traps on doors, on walls. What if has your players ever checked for a trap on a stairway? Never. Never. Mine do. Yours do? Wow. Yes. They're they're smart because with this stair snare, as you walk up, one of the stairs just happens to be collapsible and has a bunch of spikes in it that will work like like a bear trap. Yeah. And that'll teach them to be a little more careful walking up those stairs because I guarantee they're going to be checking every room, every corridor, every door, everything. They're and not how, going to – they're not checking the stairs. Yeah, and how that, sta- that, that stair snare trap is, how the spikes are angled. Once you go in, it's angled – they're angled towards the bottom of the, the base of the trap. So right. think of it like a barbed hook on a yeah. on a yeah. fish hook. Right. The more you struggle, the more it hurts. Yeah. So you're taking damage coming in or coming out. <laughs> right. It's also so, good if those players are like, oh, my character is hard sole boots. And, well, well, the rest of it's yeah. not hard, hard sole. You're screwed there. Yeah. Right. It doesn't do anything to your soul, but the, all the on along the sides, like your toes and your ankle and your and your shin. Oh, owie. Yes. <laughs> Especially if you put a couple of them in a row, they fall in, then they go to brace themselves, and their hand goes through the next one. <laughs> well, and then you have the added problem, like when you said, oh, yeah, they fall in the next one. I see where his hand is. Yes. Yeah. You could do the same thing. He falls forward. Oh, my God. Yeah. I That's brilliant. Hand, yes. <laughs> he falls forward into another one. Now his, now his hands and arms are caught. <laughs> oh, I love it. Right. I, and, I, and they're trying to get him out. I'm looking this. If I was like the other player trying to help him out, you look at the trap. You're like, I'm going to have to break those spikes off. I just can't lift this foot out. Right. 
this, this works especially great if, say, they're running from something. Yes. Oh, my God, yes, absolutely. Put up that, against another trap that, like, uh, like the old Indiana Jones rolling ball or maybe right. – uh, or like maybe a flood of water coming down the corridor. Or or even just a monster chasing yeah. after them. I mean, yes. it could even be so, something as simple as that. Or even better, an illusionary monster. <laughs> so they're running from nothing, and then they fall into the trap. I that's do, a, yeah, that's, I do think that's brilliant, though. Yeah. You put another one on the next step. Right. Because you know they're going to fall. Yeah. And the, yeah, it's just like I also enjoyed the one, the piano floor with the yes. strings. The piano floor is just devious as well. Yes. All right. It would, uh, so you get creative, and you're like, okay, the first person walks on it, and they just get shredded. So you're like, okay, so then you can make the have them make these wonderful, crazy like dex checks as they try to hop from board to board, but go. Uh, Per, uh, parallel with land parallel with the board to avoid mm-hmm. the razors spiking up between them. Yes. So you can get into all kinds of just wacky shenanigans and making them have to use their brain a little bit to get past some of this stuff. And some of them, they're just not going to get past at all. I even I, saw that picture was looked a little disturbing to me too. It was like, mm, Oh my God, that looks painful. And then you're going to fall. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets yeah, it gets worse because you're gonna fall. At Next which check, point, please. Yes, but at which point though, if one of your player player characters fall, you now have something to walk on. Yeah. So yeah, at that point, player. you could use the corpse of <laughs> the, other the other player character oh and walk God. on them to get across. That would be something my group would do. They yeah. would. You know, another trap. I, I I got one more trap that's like one of my favorite. Very simple one. What's that? The, the poison door trap. Okay. I like that one because it's so simple. And you're like, poison door, ah, ha, ha. It's not just the door itself that's poison per se. Because it – and I think this also goes into the other thing of, about the book is the writing. I like how it's written. Like it's kind of like that Grimtooth is like talking to you about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like Grimtooth is talking to you through this book. Like, for example, he's talking about the poison door trap. And he gives acknowledgement to the people who created these traps. For like Rick Loomis's poison door is somewhat more subtle device. Just because a door has a handle doesn't mean you have to use it. And if the delvers just push the door open, they'll live. Otherwise, the trap is a hollow door filled with poison gas. The door is equipped with a plug handle, which when pulled out, releases the gas. Simple, beautiful. I love it. And you know what? I've used it. And it's just plain mean. And you could get really creative with that. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's filled with like a chlorine gas, which is poisonous, or maybe it's filled with a gas that's flammable, explosive, you know, maybe it's filled with hydrogen. (laughs) It comes out and you got torches there, poof, (laughs) everybody gets flamed in the face. You know, I love that. And when you're reading those, like, it's like, like you said, it's Grimtooth talking to you, and there's a rating system from like one to five skulls, I believe. How the how lethal they are. So, yeah, that's another one of my favorites. What about you, Vince? What's a what's a favorite one out of here, or overall the book? Uh, so far, I, I picked a couple, but uh, another one I want to note is it's just a real simple one, and it made me crack up. The hop, skip, and a jump. 
Hop, skip, and a jump. On page Is that a 12. corridor trap? Yeah, it's a corridor trap on page 12. It's basically a pit that they think there's lava in it or monsters or whatever they have to jump across, and then there's an invisible wall on the other end. Yes, <laughs> yes that's right. I love that one, too. So simple, but so lethal. I just think of the characters like running them thuds. Yes. So I was thinking to make it more cruel. Oh, okay. Yeah, the <laughs> is, evil DM is thinking. Yeah, is to move the invisible wall just a little bit all, or to just a little bit further in, so that one person jumps over, the next player's character is like, "Oh, okay, I'm going to jump too." So when he jumps over there, there's not enough room, so the two of them bounce into each other and into the wall, and then. <laughs> freaking oh, fall into that's the just real devious. Now you got to get two player characters, pretty much. Yeah. I also oh, I like, like the that. fact when the, what they send the suggestion of having the invisible wall over the pit, mm-hmm. so that when they fall onto it, it, it looks like he's safe. So then another player jumps over, and when he falls, it they both just go crashing through because of the weight. Yeah. <laughs> and the the other suggestion was, what if your glass the, the party has ways of detecting magic? You know. Yeah. Well. You just replace the invisible wall, like as far as game mechanics. Let's say it was like a full wall force. Well, don't use a wall force. Use a uh, pane of glass that's completely uh, smooth, and you can see through the other side. Now you have a a situation where they're going to jump, and you can either make that glass, like maybe like with a glass steel spell, maybe it's indestructible, or you make it to where he hits it, crashes through and then he takes damage <laughs> so i'm gonna actually do that as well do a little interaction here so i, I went on facebook during while we were talking about this and i put on there what is your favorite trap to use in the games as a dm mm-hmm. we, we instantly got a bunch of responses here so i'm gonna read up a couple of them one person named alexander says piercer monster everything is fine until suddenly there's a rock monster bursting through the car- the cleric's chest <laughs> That's cruel. Uh, oh, for that one uh, the hook, line, and trap. sinker trap. The top yeah. of the ceiling is piercers. Oh, oh, oh even better. Yes, I like the lobster trap. The one when they're in the cage, and mm-hmm. there's a there's oh. a trap door at the bottom and a trap door at the top. Yeah, that one's they very fly, elaborate. You, you that, go, that's a that's a James Bond villain trap. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Okay, Something one thing Dr. I didn't understand Evil about that. Let me let me go over that scenario real quick because that's one of my other favorite ones, and I'll get back to Facebook in a moment here. But sure. So you're in that you're in that cage. You wake up. You have no armor, no weapons, nothing. You're just basically in your your skivvies, and you look down. You see these giant rock lobsters like clawing around, and yep. you see there's a little trap door in the bottom of the cage with a ladder to climb down. Okay, you're like, hmm, I don't want to go fight rock lobsters. You look right. above you, there's a trap door. You go through that trap door at the top, there's two hooks at the top. Or I should say there, two loops or something. Yeah, there's like two loops and a pulley system. And it looks like the... you're, it's, you're not sure exactly what it does, so you have to kind of figure it out. Mm-hmm. So if you climb down the ladder, there's an invisible wall surrounding, I think it's like a five-foot area. Yeah, where... and basically the... Area where the ladder is. Yeah. So you're it's protected, that you but can, you don't know that. Right. You don't know. You climb down. But once you climb to the bottom, there's actually a false floor there. You mm-hmm. open that up, you're rewarded with some treasure, blah, 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 blah. The lobsters don't attack you because the um, the invisible wall. But there's also a <laughs> a lever there, too, mm-hmm. to, to fool you, to think, you, oh, maybe this will you know get us out of here. You pull that, it drops the invisible wall. The lobsters are just go in for the kill. You're, yep. dead. You're pretty much just dead at that point. Yep. <laughs> so, but if you go to the top, 
and you figure out the pulley system, it basically launches the cave into the wall. Looks like you're about to die, but there's an invisible part of the wall where your cage lands in a bunch of feathers. And then there's all your weapons and armor and everything. And there's a door out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking, what? I don't really... Yeah, it's a James Bond trap. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, but it's, it's such a great trap because there's two different ways the player character or player characters are going to get... They're going to get hurt. <laughs> right. And they said you can even be more cruel by add something into the feather area to, <laughs> to screw with the players. Oh, yeah, like dump a bunch of tar on them and then set yeah. them on fire. You tar and feather them and then set them on fire. That would be beautiful. Wait a minute. Didn't we come up with something like that for our, our, our goblins last show? Mm-hmm. The yep. tar and feather thing. <laughs> it's just such a cruel thing to do. That's why I like it. Right, so, so back to Facebook. I asked that question. Uh, we got, um, let's see. Uh, Dave B. Wrote, wrote anyone in a place where the PC should be. I think he wrote meant to say anywhere, a place that PCs have to be. Anyone in a place where the PCs have no reason to look for paranoia, it's good for the party. So he's basically saying his perfect trap is paranoia and screwing with people. Oh, well, that's I a, agree always with that one. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hunting Zinger says kobolds, really smart ones. Okay. Yeah. Not really a trap, but that's a good idea. I like that. Mm-hmm. And Morgan S. wrote down um, pit, using a pit and closing walls. Always are a classic in his book. So. Oh, yeah. I like the old Star Wars trash compactor. Yeah. Those are the, the top uh, comments we got there. So uh, I guess more just check out our Facebook, our uh, facebook.com RFI podcast. To answer that question when you uh, hear this podcast, hopefully. We'll be doing this more often, just like throwing up questions during the show to see people, how they react. So, yeah. uh, Nick, you have another favorite one? Yeah, I do. And I think this, I like, I picked three traps that were like my favorites that kind of run the gamut of like a, a room or a corridor and mm-hmm. door. And another one, which is their last chapter would be things, the eye-catching trap. I love this one. And this is by Mike Stackpole, if anybody knows who he is. A very somewhat, famous writer. Yes. You know, very famous in RPG community. He came up with this one called the Eye-Catching Trap. It's basically set up to where you have, like, a, a peephole or a couple of peepholes, either in a door or a wall, whatever it may be. And it's just big enough to where you can see inside the area but not too clearly. So you have to get right up to the peephole to see inside this area. And if you do, you know, what will happen is the player character, they're trying to look inside this, let's say it's in a door. And they're trying to look through this peephole and they put their head right up against the door. Well, once their forehead hits that door, it's a pressure plate. And right on the other side, it lets go either one or several little spikes that swing down into that peephole area and hits the player character right in the eyes. I I love that. (laughs) Because that's what another terrifying way to get to your player characters by blinding them. (laughs) You know, so I love that one. Because it's it's such a simple little trap. It's because everybody said, "Oh, there's there's a hole in the wall. I'm gonna go look in." You know, no one ever thinks that the damn hole in the wall is gonna be trapped. <laughs> right. No, who wouldn't think that? Oh, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> I like that one. Matt, you have another one? 
Yeah, I actually also enjoyed the Mapper Maddener, the one with the pressure plates at the at an intersection, and yeah. every time the players walk through it, the walls rearrange. Hmm. Oh yes, that is just evil. Yes, for, for the parties that map the dungeon themselves, this will drive them insane because every time they walk through this intersection, the mm-hmm. walls will rearrange, directing them in different manners. So they'll start backtracking and not even realize it. Yeah, yeah. And, and then uh, there's also uh, something similar except that was uh, – I'm trying to remember where I saw it. I don't think it was Grim Tooth. Same concept except – the uh, intersection's actually on a rotating platform, and it's actually uh, mechanically pushed by, like, a bunch of kobolds. <laughs> so you take the same concept, except instead of just having it pressure plates and pop-up walls, no, the intersection actually just rotates. So you know, every time you it, go through, you're somewhere else. It's an interesting trap, that map manner, because if you look at, the like, the, the skull severity level, it's only one. The trap itself is rather mundane, but... What it does, it irritates and confuses the players. And that's right. always fun. <laughs> yeah. They're going to think there's some sort of magic portal they're walking through that changes it every time. They're, yeah. As opposed to just something far more mundane. Yeah. Because I guess the question is, if a rogue starts searching for traps eventually, do they detect it? Is it an actual trap or is it just something, a uh, mechanical device? Mm-hmm. I, I think they would probably determine the pressure plates, at which point, depending on where they're standing, can create some interesting uh, effects if all of a sudden the, the wall pops up sure. while they're standing where the wall would be. Yeah, maybe. I guess so. Yeah, or if the depending on uh, how the party is spread out, they could get separated. One oh, takes, that's true. And then they'll they'll just be doing this weird Benny Hill running <laughs> around in circles. As they try to find each other. This is actually, now you think of it, this is a good way of splitting up the party if you tweak it out a certain way. Right. You can purposely split the party up. Yeah. So, yeah, this is one, it's not going to, it's not flashy, but it really creates some very interesting situations. Mm -hmm. So that's why I really enjoy it. Yeah, it confuses and irritates the players, which is always fun, like I said. <laughs> or if or if all of a sudden they get a little too creative, they get are they somehow manage to pop all the walls up and get themselves trapped. Yes. <laughs> so that'll always be fun as well. Mhm. And then another one that I enjoyed, it there's the uh this is the one that they actually found the long lost artwork for. Oh, yes, oh. yes, yes. Yes, the bridge at Rue Vincent. Because originally in the book, there was no artwork for this. But then 20, 30-some years later, they looked in the back of a desk and found it. So they put <laughs> it in this book. And this is basically like the death bridge with no railing, just a rickety old bridge going across a boiling river of wax. And then at the other end of it is an animated statue. That's going to try to fight you on this bridge. Sounds scary, except it's a little worse because the statue's made of flint, and when you yeah. strike it with metal, it creates sparks which will ignite. Kaboosh. <laughs> ignite all this molten wax. Nice. So 
I'm also at this point envisioning like you could even have like wax monsters and creatures start coming up out of this molten wax. Perhaps it's some sort of uh, magical reanimation for like the wax museum or something. (laughs) So, yeah, it's the ultimate and uh, OSHA would not approve of this during dungeon construction. (laughs) OSHA would not approve. (laughs) No, but again, it, it looks scary. And then when they actually encounter it it's even worse i would also probably have some like items maybe bobbing in the wax as well just so they may maybe even lure them in Ooh, we need to retrieve that item or something from the wax players, oh man that would it, just it, be too mean yes and, and and actually all it is is just a shaped glob of wax that happened to look like a sword it's not actually a sword covered in wax or it's just a wooden sword Yes. Uh, yes, so much that can be done. You got any others, Vince, for you that you like out of this one? Um, I got the one that got away. You picked it, the lobster trap and the hop, skip, and the jump is the ones that I picked as my favorites out of the book entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I just... But, I mean, a lot of them are just kind of just, like, cruel and really, really dumb. It's just like, eh. Yeah. Lots there is of- one... Yeah, there is one like that. I think it's like near the end. The uh, It's a trap called A Hot Time in the Old Camp Tonight. That one's just mean. You know, that one be so unaware of because the – okay, here's the premise of it for everybody. It basically – it's and this is a trap for the uh, for maybe uh, outside wilderness. So uh, the player characters are setting up camp for a night. They actually find an area where it looks like it's been camped out before. There's already – a uh, circle of stones to form a fire ring, okay? Under one of those rocks in the fire ring is a is a thin piece of wood that's got soot and everything over it. That piece of wood is covering a hole into a larger area under the fire ring. Basically, the idea is they start a fire, eventually that that uh, thin piece of wood starts smoldering and over time it burns through and a whole bunch of coal and fire goes into this small cavern area, which could be filled with, Oh, like a, could be explosive, uh, a liquid of some sort, like oil, (laughs) or it could be filled with an explosive gas. And that's just mean, you know, I mean, they're bedding down and everything. And next thing you know, their whole campsite blows up. Because there was a there was a hydrogen gas pocket <laughs> under their campsite. That's just bad freaking luck. <laughs> I don't know if I would use something like that. That's just I don't know. Or if I did, I would make a variant of it. I suppose to make it like there. It this it just didn't seem like a a, a trap to me. To where it's like that one's just maybe kind of I think a little weird. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I was also amused by the stuffed raccoon. Yeah, the stuffed raccoon. Yes. Yes, it's a stuffed mounted raccoon that has intense has intense magic and is indestructible. Yeah. And basically what happens is whenever it's placed in a closed container, it will uh, return back to its original location and take some stuff with it. So I Yeah, basically it's Anywhere, what was it? Any stuff that in the container with it goes with it too? Yep. So <laughs> I'm envisioning the players coming across this giant hoard of treasure. 
yeah. weapons, everything. They're like, we've just hit the lottery. And there's also this stuffed raccoon, and you know the players are going to take it. Yeah. Because they take everything. It's like the magic cow thing out of, out of Knights of the Dinner Table. Yes. You know, it's just magic raccoon. It's got to do something really cool. Let's keep it. Right. And then all of their stuff disappears and more. Yeah. So they go yeah. – and then you, you have to make sure they run into the raccoon again so it can just torment them. Every time they get a little too much stuff, oh, no, it's that raccoon. Run. Yeah, exactly. Now you've now you got a running gag in the whole campaign, which is kind of cool. Yes. Yeah, this is one of those tongue-in-cheek kind of trap, gag traps, I suppose you might want to call it. Now, here's a question to both of you. Yeah. Okay, you got this magic raccoon kind of okay. going with this. <clears throat> goes in, goes in whatever container you put it in after you find it, stuff disappears with it after, what, like 15, 20 minutes, the raccoon goes away. Whatever's in that container with it disappears with it as well. What if you put that thing in a bag of holding? <laughs> Um, I'm just wondering, will the bag of holding cancel out the magical effects of the raccoon, or will the magical raccoon take everything in that bag of holding with it? Does, yes, does the magical raccoon steal a pocket dimension, and all of a sudden your bag of holding is just a bag? Or does that act like when you put a bag of holding with another bag of holding? Or, or a bag <laughs> of holding portable hole? yeah. What well, if that has that sort of effect? Oh, God. Oh. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. I yes. mean, you could go multiple ways with it. You could have it like the raccoon works as it normally does. It gets canceled out or, you know, you blow up everything in a 20-foot radius. Right. <laughs> yes, you, you have a stuffed raccoon that defies time and space and what happens when they get trapped in a pocket dimension. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I was running through my head on that one. I mean, how would you handle that, Vince? <laughs> I'm not even sure. Because you're evil. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I'd have to actually think that one out, to be honest. Yeah. You get, you, like I said, there's a couple ways you could go with it. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it depends on the mood. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if they're really pissing you off, well, guess what? Well, I mean, you know, I, I guess I don't, not as cruel as I used to be. I'm more into the whole how I can screw with. But I mean, see, what I liked about this book is it had a lot of evilness in it, but mm. I didn't like that it was kind of pointless evil. Right. Because I like to be cruel and an evil DM, but I also like to give the players the option to get out of the situation. So it's oh, not yeah. all me. So a good evil DM is presents the situation, makes them look like a dick, but it also, hey, you know what? There's an out. You didn't take it. Not my problem. You're the problem. Right. And some of the traps in here do have that a in a way. Don't. I mean, or you can modify them in that way, like the one that when we talked about, the one that got. You can modify that to where if you hold on to the rod and reel, you just go into the water and sploosh, you're okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. So you can modify them to that, to that extent. Some of these, are, yeah, on, on, on the surface, they're just plain, there's no way out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of these are instant death traps, and you had no hope of ever escaping. Yeah, insta-kill. Yeah, and then others are just a little more silly and humiliating than uh, lethal. Like, I'm actually looking at the item above the stuffed raccoon, the jerk with the box, where it's a jack-in-the-box with a punching glove inside that'll punch you in the face. That's obviously Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's a Wile E. Coyote one if I ever saw it. Oh, yeah. 
But he said you could also replace it with like a spike going into their face too. Right. <laughs> or or a cream pie. Or a cream pie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and everybody just rolls their eyes or like, what? <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> but if you start doing enough innocuous crazy things like that, that'll make the players very paranoid. Or they get complacent. You like yes. you pair up a whole bunch of like mundane traps like the the that one like the almost the pie in the face then you have another one which is like just somewhat the uh, yeah you set up some traps in a row where it's like they're going through the dungeon they're like oh these aren't so bad so maybe we shouldn't have to look for much traps anymore because we haven't been hurt then that's when you spring a real nasty one on them right complacency like, is a killer yeah all right then Let's head into our. Oh, actually, we had to do what are we our um, sword review um, out of five. Normally, okay, who's first? Uh, I'll go first this time. I'm going to rate this a four out of five for evilness and uh, cleverness, and I like also the way that was presented. I always like books where, uh, like a creature or someone is like presenting it to you, and they're like, "Hey, this is a really cool trap. You should use it," as opposed to, "This is a trap." And blah 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 blah. You know, I like the presentation of it. So, mm-hmm. four out of five. And um, Nick's next. Uh, Matt, you want to go ahead? Oh, go, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I'm actually going five out of five. I mean, I absolutely love this book. This is a book you can just sit down and read, and it's enjoyable. But as Vince was saying, the way it's presented is it's just a fun read, and it sparks so much creativity. You may not actually use the traps as they're described, but it will give you ideas uh, for other traps or other items to torment your players. So, and I also do enjoy, I also enjoy the artwork too, because it does remind me of like the Wiley at Coyote sketches mm-hmm. from Looney <laughs> Yes, Duke. they do. Yes, they it, do. It's, it's very much yield Acme catalog. Yeah, it's so, very humorous artwork. I, I, I could even see stealing some of these ideas for Tune. If oh, you yeah. run a Tune game. So. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, this is yeah. So this is like the ultimate and just creativity sparking utility role playing game book. Everyone should own this. It's glorious. Well, I give it not just five swords, five golden swords. Wow! Oh, because in my opinion, everything that you guys said already, you know about how it's presented, Mm -hmm. the the uh, how you can modify these traps or use them as is and for me the two other things is the the gender uh, gender <laughs> the system neutrality of it <laughs> sorry <laughs> this it's system neutral okay which you can use it with any system which is great and it's a timeless classic I mean, that just ties into with being at system neutral. I mean, you could use it everything from, you know, basic D&D up to Pathfinder now. Yeah. Which which is great. And it's still around. You could still get it, like, in that compilation uh, through Goodman Games. You could still find uh, PDFs there on RPG Now. Or if you're a collector, go out there on eBay. Get the original copies if you want. you got multiple ways of getting this. Uh, to me, Grimtooth Traps is a must-have for a DM. I, I know for me, I'm not good at designing traps of my own, 
but you can mine so many ideas from this stuff. I mean, you'll have you got endless possibilities. Absolutely. And I inspire you to make something <laughs> your own. So five golden swords from me. As Nick just went really robotic there for a minute. Yes. <laughs> uh, five golden swords from me. <laughs> okay, cool. So there we go. We got a pretty much almost a almost a perfect five going on there. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Pick it up. Uh, Drive through RPG. RPG now. Um, price probably pretty good. I'm not sure what the price is. We'll have to put that in the. Notes. They drive through is four ninety five each. There you go for the PDF. Yeah. Matt, if you could put a link in our notes when you write up our little description, so yep. people could just click on it to buy it Absolutely. real quick. And uh, let's head into the treasure chest for this week. Zach Glazer, head of Lesser Known Games here. In November, we will be running a charity game using our newest box set, Death and Taxes, to support the Extra Life Foundation to benefit Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. <coughs> um, you can support this effort by going to extralife.org and making a pledge in the name of Robert Glazer or going to lesserknown.com slash children. Robert Glazer? No wonders you go by Zach. Listen, let me show you how to do this. I cast charitable contributions. You will now go to extralife.org or lesserknown.com and make a generous donation to Help Children's Hospital. You can even write it off both your death and taxes. See what I but, did there? But Don't interrupt me! And Mike Saber Die Podcast Minions will have a nice pledge link right on the webpage of this very episode to make that easy. Ah, that's great. Dopus, thanks. Don't mention it, Robert. Open the treasure chest. You may choose an item. I have a, a custom item here that I kind of found and modified. I was looking around the internet the other day, and uh, it's a pretty simple magical item, and it's really useful for I'm going to say a thief class or maybe a druid class. Okay. It's called a magical bag of ferrets. Now you could probably automatically, yeah, <laughs> automatically you're like, hey, I know what this is going to be for. But anyway, uh, XP value is about 500. The gold piece value is about 750. Could be more. I'm not sure because there was no rhyme or reason for the value in the XP, as we heard directly from uh, Mr. Menser himself. They just kind of randomly assigned things. I wonder why they never actually figured out a system for that, but that's another another adventure. We'll have to ask him. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he didn't really go into explanation. It appears as a small, plain brown bag with a simple rope tied to it. Opening it, a character can pull out a trained ferret twice a day. Uh, he can pull out two trained ferrets. So I have to just modify that number there. Pull out two. Okay. Anyway, the ferret can go retrieve things as best as it can, and the character can look through the eyes of the ferret and hear what the ferret hears as well. So you can already know how you, this can be used to steal things, be a little spy. But here's the side effect. If the ferret gets attacked while the character is looking, the character will take the same damage as the ferret, and the link Ooh. will be severed. If the ferret dies, you will lose the ability to pull that ferret out of the bag. So I have to just word... So you can pull basically pull out two ferrets per day. So if one of the ferrets die, you only pull out one ferret per day. If that other ferret dies, the bag is pretty much done. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'll hand that over to you. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> bag of ferrets. It's useful. Yeah. But it, yeah. I like it. It's, it's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, And it's not 
necessarily an overpowering magic item. It's it's gives and it's also a way of like like I get I guess like you said for a druid if you have a you know some of the druid special abilities paired with that could be pretty darn cool and for the thief like you said that's really neat. Yeah. But it's got a little bit of a downside. Yeah, I wanted to make it so that you know, you have all these cool things you can do with it, but there's also that little side effect of it gets attacked, you take the damage. Sorry, and mm-hmm. you, you, your link is severed at that point. So, and and in ESF, if the ferret dies, you lo- you can't pull another ferret for that day, right? No, it's gone. So you can pull two ferrets per day. So that's basically just two ferrets you get. Okay, right. so you you get one if it gets killed, you get a second one, and that's it for the day. That's it for the day, and that's yeah. it for the rest of the bag. For like, if the ferret, oh, if the ferret dies, okay, I see. It becomes a single ferret bag at that point. So the players need to be a little careful about overusing it. It's another one of those items where do we There's really a limit. do we really want to risk losing our last ferret? Because once <laughs> the first, they'll be a little brazen with it at first, but then once the first ferret dies, they may uh, want to hold on to that and no. not use it, even though they could. Now, Matt, I just want you to think about what you just said. <laughs> Do we really want to risk using our last ferret? Yes. <laughs> I mean, just that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> in itself. I mean, there's is so just... many ways you can use it in the game as a, as a thief, as a druid. I mean, just to spy on people. To, I yeah. mean, the ferret, you can't exactly go tell the ferret, I want you to go inside the king's castle and steal his wallet from his blah, blah, blah. Like, the ferret's going to be like, <laughs> You know, like, go and find me the shiniest thing inside the building of all those rich people, and it'll come out with, you know, gold or something. Or maybe a really shiny rock. Yeah, right. that's the breaks. It's not like you can go, go find that gold watch I've been looking for, and the ferret's going to be like, okay, and come back. Unless right. unless you have the, a druid using that, he can communicate with it. Yeah, if it's, oh. if it's, if it's a, a thief, he's just going to be like, yeah, find me the shinies like I like. And, you know, the ferret yes. being with the thief would probably know. Yeah. And I'm going to say with the link, you could probably maybe, depending on the DM, when you're looking through his eyes and listening, you could probably maybe give him a little leeway and be like, suggest, hey, that looks nice and shiny. Why don't you grab that? You know, something like that. But again, Wait that's a, a minute. What? Bag of ferrets. Yes. Wait a minute. Beastmaster. <laughs> yeah, they, that wasn't the Beastmaster. Holy crap. Oh, my God. It just dawned on me. Yes. It's like. It's like the two little ferrets from the movie Beastmaster. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Yes. Okay, so you figured it out. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> now, what happens if the the, ba- the bag of ferrets uh, retrieve the stuffed raccoon? Oh. I have no idea. <laughs> I'll let you decide. Now you have a raccoons, raccoon and two ferrets. Yes, in a, a raccoon and two ferrets are in a bag. What happens? <laughs> no, and the ferrets do not multiply or anything like that. So, <laughs> sorry, they, go they do poof. not become sentient beings and turn on their masters. No, none, none of that. Okay, so, that's uh, good. Use it in your campaign. I just dropped it into the chat so you can put it up as the magic item, Matt, in yep. our notes. Yep. And we'll head over to creature feature. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. That's right, $1.50 a month goes a long way. Thank you. 
that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long And now going into the creature feature, we're going to discuss a creature that could actually benefit from the guidance of Grimtooth because he's kind of goblinish. The goblins, much like the kobold that we discussed last week, they're another horde creature that when players here, oh, you're fighting some goblins. They're like, oh, we're going to slaughter them. This will be fun and bloodless on our end anyway. Um, but there's ways to make them a little more evil and vicious. But first, let's just talk about the basic goblin. Okay. The basic goblin is it's got your wonderful one to six hit points. It's armor class six from their, their similar armor. They've got and they're, they're horde monsters. Another one of those. 40 to 400, that's how yep. they're scary. They're waves. Yep. And they're also tribal, so you have... They are typically led by a goblin king, maybe David Bowie. It could happen. <laughs> you had to go there, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> and actually, if you think about that movie, Labyrinth, with Grimtooth's traps, that's an adventure. Oh, oh, oh I see. Okay. All right. There yeah. you go. So... And they they have if there's over two hundred of them in their lair, they have sub chiefs, they have guards, they they also much like kobolds have their uh, woodland creature friends in the form of huge wolves. They use as mounts, mm-hmm. and sometimes they'll even have some gnolls with them too as bodyguards. They they're also prone to having young and female that actually do not. Engage in combat, so now you get that wonderful moral choice we always talk about of slaughtering the women and children. Oh, there are goblins. Kill them. (laughs) And then there's also a chance they have some bugbears with them as well. And then this is where I think they make great creatures for Grimtooth traps. They are fair miners and able to note new or unusual construction 25% of the time. So I could see them constructing the things out of Grimtooth because that's something you normally don't think of goblins actually being decent at anything. You think of them kind of disorganized and just cannon fodder, really, for other larger creatures. Mm-hmm. But no, they actually can mine. So I can, can see them constructing some of the more devious things in that, and especially if led by the Goblin King David Bowie. I would also... I could also picture them like any sort of creature where you're going to throw an idea of them creating their traps. I would have them like over engineer the hell out of those traps. Right. I mean, they work, but it's like the picture on the front of Grimtooth's traps. I mean, there's like five different pulley systems and all that stuff just to drop something on somebody's head or something like that. Right. Not horribly efficient. It's more because they think they'd be smart. Right, they think they'd be smart, and they have the giant Rube Goldberg device. Yeah. Yes, they, they are Wile E. Coyote. Yes. It's, it's got more parts, so it has to be – we are smart. It has more parts, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, parts it's and like, smart, they rhyme. Yes, I, would just, part, I would play them just like that too. Part and smart rhyme. We more parts, more smarts. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yes, more parts, more smarts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I could see them using, like, the one 
corridor trap in Grimtooth is the Archer's Tunnel, in which it's yes. basically a ladder that goes up a giant uh, tunnel, yep. and which will lead you to another path. So that, it's a great way to change levels. But at the bottom of this core, uh, tunnel, yeah, this vertical shaft, tunnel yeah. shaft, is basically like molten lava or whatever evil acid spikes. acid. It could it could even be that's their uh, porta potty shoot. So it's just oh. a big pile of dung. Ooh, even ooh, yeah, yeah. So as they're climbing up the uh, the bathroom shoot, <clears throat> yeah, up in the upper level, there's another tunnel, and archers will start raining arrows down upon them because it's also a trap. And you notice in the picture, the artwork of this, the ladder is actually opposite from where the upper tunnel is. So you right. have a it's, clear shot. You have to reach across to right. even get so, to the other side. Right. Which also makes you great targets because shooting straight down with an arrow is not too effective, but you can shoot down at an angle pretty well. Right. And because the, the, the ladder in the walls is opposite of the uh, where they have to exit to the top, they're going to have to somehow reach across and get to that top area if they even get there. Right. At which point they have this giant vat of whatever doom below them. Let's, say, also, it's, let's say it's goblin dung. Yeah, goblin dung. At which point no one – who knows what's living in the goblin dung at this point? Like an OTUG. Right. <laughs> so I even have a name for the trap. Yes? The goblin pooper shooter. <laughs> oh, Lord. Wow. Do we have to edit that? No. No. Okay. <laughs> but, yes, it's, it's not good. <laughs> Was that just a bad joke? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Yes. Uh, I, could, I could live with that. But that's a, I thought that was a pretty good name for it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But anyway. So that, that's one of like the many traps. Another one that I saw that when I first read it, I'm like, this is so goblin. The shoot and hammer trap. Yeah, you did mention that before the show. That is That would be so much like goblin stuff to do. Basically, the shoot and hammer trap is you're, you're walking along your tunnel, and the floor is actually basically on a pivot. So once you hit a certain point, it's going to fall down, and you're going to go down a slide. And the slide's kind of narrow. So as you're sliding down, next thing you see is they put a claw hammer in the roof of this chute. So you're going to bop mm -hmm. your head on a claw hammer at a high rate of speed sliding down. Yeah. However, it's narrow and it's still tall enough that goblins can slide down it without being injured. Mm -hmm. It's it's only your large humanoids that are going to get bopped in the head by a claw hammer. So they can pretty much slide down behind and finish up what the trap started. Right. It, or I could also just see the goblins thinking this is a great way to uh, get to whatever underground passage, and they rigged mm -hmm. it up anyway just because right. they like sliding. Whee! And like <laughs> they said in the book, you could be real devious, flip that claw hammer around where the claw hits you in the head. Yeah. I could, I could even see the players are chasing goblins down a corridor and they walk in and the goblins slide down the chute trap first. And, ah. the, play, 
And the players are like, oh, that must be a secret escape. So they do it too, and then claw hammer. Yep, bonk in the head. Yeah. And all of these are rather simple constructions mm-hmm. with and horribly devious, and it'll really make your players fear going into a goblin lair. Yeah, devious and kind of um, embarrassing for the party, you know? Right. Falling into a, a, a pit of of uh, goblin dung or getting hit in the head with claw hammers. Right. Uh, nothing's going to really kill them unless you don't have a helmet on when you get hit with a claw hammer. Right. But it's definitely going to irritate the players, humiliate them, be like, these lowly goblins are making fools of us. Yeah. Yep. Add insult to injury. And and then for and then if the players do get captured, that's when you could actually bring in that elaborate lobster trap. Yeah. And then you have David Bowie, the Goblin King, <laughs> off to the side giving the James Bond speech. Or he's singing some song off the soundtrack. Yes. He, he goes into a, a show and dance number complete with goblin backup dancers. <laughs> because why not taunt your players with a song and dance routine From after David impending Bowie. demise? Yes. <laughs> but yes, the integrating this book into lowly creatures can create your Tucker's Kobolds equivalent of any lowly monster. So this is why you need this book. It works mm-hmm. for everything, especially if you want to run Labyrinth. Yep. There you go. Cool. All right. I think that's going to wrap up the show for this week. And, okay. um, that was Thanksgiving's going to be coming up, so we're going to probably do a show that weekend. Probably not a really big show. We're probably going to reach into the mailbag and uh, empty out and do letters to the editor, part one million or whatever we're up to. I don't know. Part one million. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One um, million letters. Yeah, we got some voicemails and some emails some people sent in. They have some questions. Uh, see what crew I can gather up to do that show, because I know, Nick, you'll be out of town, you said. Yes, I will be out of town. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I will be not be able to grace you with my presence. <laughs> but Matt will be here as faithful yes. as ever, and uh, we'll see what happens. So we're going to say keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.